Well, it is good to have you today as we take up our offering this morning. If you have a paper offering, you can drop it in the box at the back of the room. There's a black box there that says give. Otherwise, the electronic ways that you can give are up there on the screen. If you head to our website, meadowbrook.ca, there's a big button there that says give as well. So, uh... It's an exciting day today. We have an old friend back, and when I was on sabbatical last year, uh, you got to know Terry well uh, as he took some time to spend with you while I was gone. And uh, for those of you who don't know, if you're newer to the church, if you haven't met Terry yet, um, I always frame it this way. So my parents came to faith just after I was born. And just after I was born, they became Christians, and they found a church in Mississauga called Mississauga Gospel Temple at the time, and there was, at that time, a young man on staff named Terry Bone, and so they got to meet him there. So I'm 42, so I like to say, because it makes Terry feel old, that I've known him for 42 years at this point, and <laughs> that's right. And after that, uh, my family driving into Mississauga from Burlington was a bit much, so they eventually found a church closer to home. But years later, uh, God was doing amazing things in Grimsby, Ontario, which is up in the Niagara region. And we heard these stories of the Spirit being poured out. And as we heard about them, we heard that the pastor there was Terry Bone. And we hadn't seen him in a long time, but my dad went to check it out. Uh, From there, we got connected to that church, and our family began attending there in the 90s. And then in 2001, I felt the call to ministry. I went to Terry, my pastor, and said, I'm going off to Bible college, and, uh, and I'm going to go into the ministry. And Terry had this idea with the rest of the staff, said, well, how about you don't go off to Bible college? Why don't you stay here and join us on staff here, and you can do your training by correspondence, and then we'll mentor you here and train you here, which I always say, other than marrying Sarah, that was the best decision I ever made, because uh, I got to spend four years under Terry's ministry and other staff members' ministry, and I got my education as well. Um, but I've just had so much time sitting at the feet of this man. And uh, you guys got to spend a lot of time with him last summer uh, when I was away on sabbatical. And uh, Terry and Melissa now are part of a ministry that they created uh, 20 years ago, I guess, eh? 20 years ago, uh, called ID Ministries. And they travel all over the world and they, they bring their message of the gospel, the power of blessing, uh, the financial peace that we're going to hear about today, uh, just different teachings that they bring all over the world. Uh, and just with a, a tender heart, a deep devotion to God's word and full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So we're very excited to have him here today. So Terry's preaching this morning, and then this afternoon at 3 o'clock, he is teaching some more. Uh, So from 3 o'clock until dinner, uh, we will be in the center, and there will be uh, teaching time there. I strongly encourage you to come on out, because he's going to give you a taste of it this morning, and then some really good stuff coming this afternoon as well. So would you please join me in welcoming Terry Bone to the stage. Thank you, Dr. Walker. It's funny, uh, yeah, 42 years I've known Chris, and I won't tell stories on him because he wasn't always walking with Jesus. Uh, But uh, it's under the blood, as we like to say in the Pentecostal church. Um, Yeah, last night, Melissa and I sat with Dr. Chris Walker and Sarah and learned. Yeah, they had some really deep, uh, truths to share with us. So isn't that cool, the way it goes around in that? And uh, yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah, so uh, Melissa and I spent some extra time in prayer, praying the rain forward. It was going to be at 7 p.m. Now they're saying by 1 p.m., just so that you wouldn't be tempted to stay out in the sunshine this afternoon and that you would obey Jesus and come to the seminar, Okay. <laughs> God loves you, and I have a wonderful plan for today, for your life. Join us. Uh, Seriously, you won't want to miss. 
it's remarkable. Let me just catch you up since the last time I was here. Uh, I've been to Bangladesh a couple of times, Nepal. On uh, six days, I'll be in uh, Taiwan. Uh, we've been here and there and ministering in Canada and, and the rest. But what I have seen in 2023, I have not seen for over 20 years in terms of intensity of the moving of the Holy Spirit, but in a healthy way, not in this kind of wild stuff, nothing that any of us in this room would be afraid of, just true God's presence coming into the meetings, coming into the rooms, seeing people have a powerful experiences with God through the Holy Spirit and the Word. And they go together. They always work in tandem and uh, like two tracks, you know, that go in the same direction. And I want to, I want to challenge you as deep as I can and not use cliches today. I want to challenge you from my heart to say, uh, I am seeing the signs of, of a new work of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if the Jesus Revolution movie is still being shown in the area, but if it is, and when it comes onto whatever streaming network it, it comes onto, um, please see it. Uh, it is, Melissa and I lived through it. We met in the Jesus Revolution. I got saved. Our testimony is almost exactly like the couple in the movie. We looked at it, and we, our jaws were dropping because they were saying things we used to say. I even used to look that part. You need some faith. Okay, one way Jesus. And uh, yeah, no guff. And uh, Mike likes that, I know that. And uh, so, uh, it, and, and just, just want to leave you with one, one thought. One traditional pa- a pastor of a traditional church with people that look like a lot of us here that, uh, you know, are drawing pensions now. Uh, he had a church like that. He allowed one hippie into the church. And within one year, so many were coming that he, had, he was baptizing 500 people a week. No exaggeration. True story. Uh, can you imagine if God did something like this again? Imagine if in Leamington, half a dozen churches were having to baptize new believers every week. Are we ready for this? I, yeah. I, I, yeah, you can applaud. If you can't applaud for that, what can you applaud for? So I want to kind of come in and, and kind of like knock the lid off this in terms of faith. So what's it going to take? One of the things it's going to take is going to take some obedience, a little bit more obedience and faithfulness to prayer and handling finances. So let's get into it today. Jesus, I thank you that you have something to say to us. You always have something to say. Um, We come against any um, spirits, uh, feelings, emotions of fear or worry or doubt or past hurts when it comes to this topic. And we just open our mind up to you, Jesus, and to the Gospels. Amen. So has everybody got one of these sheets? Okay, so today I want to hit the heart of this. And then this afternoon, we're going to do a kind of like a 60-40, 70-30, teach and do, teach and do. It's going to be, you know, fairly brief teachings. You're going to be involved, and time's going to go real quick. Three sessions with a break in between each one, home before dinner. And it's, it's, it's going to be life-changing. The message I'm going to teach with you today, to, to you today 
really has been life-changing for me. Uh, a little bit of this I taught last summer when I was here. We did God's economies, the three economies. So I'm not going to teach that again this morning. It's going to be folded into what we're going to do over the, the course of the day. But when I taught that last year and talked to the board, and we all agreed that we need to deal with this. And, and uh, Chris and I um, tried, I think this is like our third try, our third date, and one of them I ended up having a conflict and had to travel overseas and, and the rest. And, uh, you know, so in some ways, I wouldn't call it random, but it feels a little arbitrary that we pick this Sunday. And by the way, there's no, there's no offering at the end of the service. There's no special offering. There's no reveal, big reveal. There's a building program. This teaching is not attached to an ask. Okay, I want you to know that right off the start, where this has not been, you know, um, put strategically there because we're going to be having some big uh, program. Or if we are, Chris never told me. But uh, so now you can't, right? <laughs> and the only thing Chris has said about the finance of the church to me is it's been pretty good through all of the, the trouble and struggle we have. It's been pretty good. So this is not attached to the church's budget or needs. This is all about you and about you and Jesus and about how your faith and your Christian life can be freer, more financially blessed, and more fun, frankly, because a lot of our worry and strife has to do with this topic. So turn to somebody and say, Today's message is all about you, okay? Try, try saying that to the person beside you. All right. Now, why, one of the reasons I'm excited this morning is because as we were driving in here from our billet today, Melissa and I, Melissa's going through the Bible in a year with Nikki Gumbel, Alpha. Most people know Nikki Gumbel, famous um, uh, you know, evangelist, teacher, lawyer from Britain. Today, out of 365 teachings, today, his topic was on finances from the same scripture I'm using, passage, and he made two of the same points. I'm glad to know he's doctrinally correct. No. <laughs> but the takeaway is, Lord, this happens to me two or three or four times a year as I minister. I'll get those little, little kind of God nudges like, yeah, today I got something special. And I seriously think the purpose of that timing was to say, this is something the Lord Jesus wants his church to understand. So I'm very excited to share that with you today. So we are going to use Luke uh, 16 as our basic uh, passage. And I had the, the biggest trouble trying to do this message today was keeping the numbers of scriptures down. Jesus talks about money more than any other topic. And then we're afraid to talk about it. You know, it's like we, there's two ditches on this. Either we're, you know, pushing this and always preaching Malachi 3.10 about bring the tithe in and, you know, it's now beyond cliche for TV preachers and all the rest. Or the other ditch is we never talk about it because we're trying to prove we're not money hungry. And... Neither is, is doing the people of God a favor. And so my commitment as a pastor over the 20 years was I'll never teach the topic of giving without teaching the rest of the financial teaching. So that's why I mentioned to Chris that I would like to do the stewardship 
uh, topic. So today I'm going to talk about the heart of the matter, you and money, why it matters. This afternoon we're going to talk about stewardship, that is what you do with what you got. And the Bible always talks about increase, sowing and reaping. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to do a session on giving. And we're going to talk about the grace of giving, not the law of giving. We're going to talk about how you can get to the place where you're generous on all occasions. And years ago, I made that my goal. I said, Lord, someday I want to get to the place where I can be generous on all occasions. When I hear about a need, I can do something. I'm tired of looking at that and going, oh, I can't afford that this month. I'm just tired of that. And uh, I would say the Lord's brought us to that place. But first, it's a heart thing. In 1996, I was with a leadership uh, meeting in, uh, near Rochester, New York. And uh, this prophetic, apostolic mm, teacher guy he was well-known by some people. I'd never met him, but he was a really good teacher. And he'd flown in from hundreds of miles away, so he had to be an expert. And uh, he had us line up. We're all pastors. And he says, I'm going to pray a blessing on all your finances. He says, because pastors, you have too much to do and too much food and too little money. (laughs) So he lined up and he started praying for each of them. And he had this kind of formulaic faith prayer. And he was like, you know, whatever, blessing. He's coming along and I'm about number 17. And when he got to me, you know, he's just going along with faith. And he gets to me and he goes, Lord, change his thinking about money. And then he went on back to his prayer to the rest of the people. And I mean, it was just like nowhere to hide. 32 pastors got a blessing and one guy got a, really, Lord, is that, is that what you're saying? Okay, well, you better change this guy's thinking. And I came away from that pretty humbled. <laughs> of course, just temporarily humbled, you know. It doesn't stay. But, uh, but very much corrected, very much in my mind like, whoa. Because I thought, you know, I, I thought I knew about this topic. And so I'm saying that, full disclosure today, because some of us, we really think we got this down. Like, we've got our budget, we got our plan, things are pretty normal, we, we give, we respond. So today's teaching is for the single mom who's struggling. It's for the teen who thinks they don't have any money. It's for the person in their first job. It's for the senior that says, but I only have a pension. Well, how, can, how can that change? How can God bless it? It's for the wealthy baby boomer who's in that stage where there's more money at the end of the month than you need. And what you're trying to do is get the best interest rate and, and uh, look at your stocks and the rest. In this message today, there's something for everyone. And I want to challenge you, every one of us needs a little bit of a tweaking in this topic. And the good news is, when you start to think like the Lord does, then you are blessable. And I want to be blessable. I want to be safe with God's money. And I want to be generous on every occasion. So first thing I want to do is take some of my money here. And um, who would like $5 just for free? Who would like that? Hand went up. Okay. Actually, back here. Was that John? Oh, you don't need it. Okay. Here we go. All right. Uh, I got another $5. Anybody want it? You can have it. Okay, right here. Right here. All right. You got it. You snooze, you lose. Come on. Hands up. Okay, <laughs> gotta wait till I ask. 
20 bucks. You know, this can go through the wash and it, it doesn't even rip, right? 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. Who needs 20 bucks? Melissa, you gave this to me. Over here, I got I to go with that. All right, bless God, hallelujah. Yeah, um, okay. So, um, uh, Chris, do you have anything else for me? What you got in there? Hundred. Is it real? As you know, I am a doctor, and I will certify that this is a legitimate, legal $100 Canadian bill. Okay. It's worth uh, $22.98 in the U.S. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're crossing the border, you know, and tomorrow, and you know what will happen if I give this. Give me some real money, they'll say. You've all had that. $100. So... Uh, This is my money, not yours. I'm not going to give it away. I could probably still tape it up. It still has a face and a hundred there. I'm going to cut it right through his face and the zero and the other zero and the one and... This, uh, let's see, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to cut Borden right through his hair and the word Canada and the maple leaf and, okay, well, we still got the code and the special stuff, now, now it's done, okay, okay, this is one-tenth of a hundred dollars, here's ten bucks. <laughs> Here's five bucks. Oh, that's too much. You might actually, they might actually do something with that. Okay. Here's another ten bucks, okay? I, I, go to the bank and see what they give you for that. Anyone else? You don't want it now, do you? It's the same piece of paper. Why don't you want it? There's two lessons there. First of all, who had no emotional reaction when I started to cut up the money? (laughs) Okay. Most of us, (laughs) what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? It's $100. Here's my point today. And if this is all you remember this morning... It might send you on the right track. We all have an emotional relationship with money. Am I right? We all have emotional relationship with money. Their emotions are connected to money. None of us is upset when we get free money. The government just sent me a notice and said, you're getting a climate action rebate. Like, I didn't even do anything for the climate. Well, I recycle, but so do you. But I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's like three tanks of gas. That's great. 
and go put some more carbon in the atmosphere with my climate reaction rebate. But nobody's unhappy when they're given money, unless there's strings attached. The other lesson is, little bits, they lose their value. And Jesus wants to see a whole heart when it comes to money. When your money is all his, he can do anything with your life. But when you say, this part's yours, Lord. Okay, that's for Chris's uh, building project. (laughs) This is for the poor, but I'm keeping the rest. Uh, In this kingdom sense, it starts to lose its value, even though it's the same substance. Jesus talked about money. Twelve of his 38 parables were about money. Why? Did Jesus have a financial problem? No. He knew we do. And so he had to address it. I might hurt myself, so thank you. So Jesus, help us. So there's your notes. The first blank there is we all have an emotional connection to money. And Jesus knew that this emotional connection can be strong, it can be good, it can be harmful. And in Matthew 6, 24, it's, it's a scripture we all know. And he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other. He'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And do you know, did any of you know that that's the verse before the famous do not worry? We, I've heard so often people land on the don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. We've heard that preached so many times. But right before it is the point about where is your heart connection to money? What is the connection? Because if you solve that, you solve the worry question. No matter how much money you have, if you don't solve that you don't solve the worry connection. And when last year, year I told you about this story, but I'll use it again because it's the one that's burned into my retina of my soul, is back in the 80s when the Blue Jays, the baseball team, hired um, or they did a, the first five-year contract with a pitcher. And it was the first time they paid over uh, $2 million, whatever it was. $3 million, $4 million for a five-year contract. It was a lot of money back then. And uh, it was multi-millions, and the man was in his 30s, and they put the microphone to his wife and said, what do you have to say? Because it was the richest contract the Jays had ever signed, multi-millions, and what do you have to say? And she goes, now we can start a family. Here is a woman afraid to have a child because her husband's only making a half a million a year. Well, maybe he'll get injured and maybe he won't have a job next year. But there was worry. I also have a friend whose son is, uh, was in the NHL, and I don't want to say the names. And again, multi-million dollar contracts. But he came to me and we were praying one day. He says, because my son's wife is so afraid he'll get injured. She just, she's afraid of the money issue. Here's a man making $2 million a year, and we're afraid we won't have enough. That is the enemy's territory in your life. The fear of not having enough is 
the sign that there is still an opening for the enemy of our soul to write the script of what we believe. And we try to deal with worry, as we all know, perfect logic casts out fear, right? Hello? (laughs) Right? So we tell people why they shouldn't. And we try to do the logic and do the spreadsheets. But the issue is our emotional relationship with money. And so Jesus wants you to think about it the right way, to feel about it the right way. And we are going to learn in one day how to not only not love money, but we're going to learn how to use money without serving money. And that's, what we, that's freedom, because we all have to use money. Some people use people to love money. Those that love money, that's demonic. And in 1 Timothy, it says that, um, it says in 1 Timothy, uh, famous scripture again, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Every kind of evil that has ever been done in this world has at some point been done because of the love of money. People will kill other people for a few dollars. And we are not those people. We do not love money. And in your notes, uh, you should have the, the notes on mammon. I, I went through that in detail last year, and you can just have that as, as notes to take home. I don't want to go through it in detail. But mammon is the spirit behind money. Jesus says there's even a spirit that can get in there. And think of this... Uh, Fear and greed, and we talked about the three economies. We'll do this a little bit this afternoon, but fear and greed run the stock market. That's kind of a common, common understanding. And that whole thing of the world's market index is when it's going good, everybody buys too much and sends the market up. When they think they might lose, it goes down. So this, this battle between fear and greed, and the enemy is able to use this to control economies, to control cultures, to control whole countries. And the biggest difference between nations in the world today, and I know of what I speak, is the economic disparity and the the disparity between currencies. Um, So let's get it right. Amen? Okay, let's talk about something that'll make you smile because the room's getting very quiet. So... Number one, we all have an emotional connection. Number two, the love of money. What can it do? I just said the love of money can take you to all sorts of evil. But let's read Luke 16. I'm going to read a few verses there. And we're going to read more of it this afternoon. And Luke 16 is one of the prime... Uh, passages that Je- of Jesus' words in the New Testament on money. And it is the parable of the shrewd manager. And I will unpack that for you this afternoon. So the first 10, 11 verses are about the guy who's going to get fired. And so he goes around and writes um, inaccurate bills. Oh, you owe my master uh, uh, 3,000 liters of oil? Just write it for 2,000. So what he does is he cheats his boss to make friends with the boss's customers so that when he's fired, they'll hire him or uh, they'll look after him. It looks pretty bad, doesn't it? And Jesus commends him. 
really? What's he commending? Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, We'll show you. He's commending the fact that he knew how to use money to his advantage. And he says, don't do it that way. But in the kingdom, you also need to know how to use money for spiritual advantage. And you need to be shrewd with the right motives. Isn't that amazing? So after saying that, and we'll, we'll look at what that means later, but after saying that, we go then to verse 10, where he says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever's dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And then he says the same thing from Matthew 6.24. Jesus makes a connection that how you handle money can have eternal consequences. And here's what I want to say, is the love of money can open or shut the gates of heaven. How you, how you, uh, your emotional connection to money can open or shut the gates of heaven. I really shouldn't say the love of money can do that, but, you know, your attitude to money can open or shut the gates of heaven. Your emotional connection can open or shut the gates of heaven. Eternal consequences. People have left the faith and been destroyed. Something lands on them and they just lose all their perspective. And on the other hand, how we handle money can open up heaven's blessing over our life. Third point, good stewardship points our heart towards heaven. Good stewardship points our heart toward heaven. So when we are trustworthy, then we begin to see uh, the blessing of heaven because there it says, he who is faithful with very little will be faithful with much. So in God's eyes, money is three things in your life. It's for the purpose of three things. It's a tool, a test, and a testimony. God uses money to tool and to test us. He, he, he uses it to see where our hearts are. And I love the story of Lauren Cunningham, who is the founder of Youth with a Mission. How many people have heard of YWAM or Youth with a Mission? Put up your hand, please, if you have. Okay. Um, put up your hand if you haven't. It's hard to see. Okay, so a lot of people don't. Okay, so back in the 60s, a man from the Assemblies of God decided, he came up with this new idea. People hadn't done it before in the West. Take people from different churches and go on short-term mission trips. Two weeks, four weeks, two months, three months. Mostly it was two or three months. He was told in the 60s, you can't do anything in three months. That's ridiculous. And uh, so he had to start his own organization. It became Youth with a Mission. There's now 1,100 Youth with a Mission bases around the world. And typically younger people, but middle-aged people, go and stay for three months, learn teaching and radical discipleship, and then they pick a location and go out and evangelize. So it's an intensive uh, discipleship course. And so we started with almost no resources, but a call of God and a vision 
and certain things where he just knew that God was with him. So Lauren and his wife were tested by God in the early days. He would go from church to church preaching this, and at one point he knew that he had enough money. They were what we call living by faith, and he had enough money before credit cards to put gas in the tank, and that's it. And he was driving to the next church to preach, believing that they would give him an honorarium and he'd have enough to get home. On the way, they hit a toll booth on the interstate. And it was 25 cents, and they had nothing. And they said, what are we going to do? They prayed. They stopped the car because they couldn't get through. He opened the car, I guess, to walk and pray. And he looked, and there was a quarter had fallen down between the seat and the door. Picked up the quarter, went back, paid the toll booth, got to the next place, and apparently got a very big honorarium. And he tells that story, and then a friend of mine, or an acquaintance of mine, to be accurate, in Alberta, was sitting with me one day about 15 years ago, and he says, you know I'm a personal friend of Lauren Cunningham. And I said, no, I didn't know, and this man is a probably a hundred millionaire. And, uh, and I said, yeah, he says, I made a commitment to him. Anytime he wants to go anywhere in the world to visit one of his bases, I will fly in there. And we often fly in our private jet. And I thought, from Lord, I need 25 cents to, yeah, my buddy will, you know, I need to go to Australia. Hey, buddy, sure, I'll pick you up. Let's go. How do you get from 25 cents to that? Not everybody's going to get there. But the point is, he was faithful in a very, very, very little. Because the test isn't little. The amount is almost irrelevant. It's about the heart. You call me to do this. I put my last money in the tank. And Lord, what am I going to do? Well, I made sure you had a hole in the pocket of the jeans yesterday. And you got 25 cents sitting by the door. I just will never forget that. And so... It doesn't matter how much you have, how much you don't have, how much you think you should have, how much you used to have, but now don't have. If you are faithful with what you have, God can change your circumstances. Isn't that awesome? Let me just let me take a, a test. I need to wear my baseball cap here to shade these lights here. Uh, uh, How many just had a slight faith increase when you heard that story? Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray. Just bow your heads for a moment. Jesus, forgive us for complaining about that circumstance where we lost some money or somebody didn't give us what we should have had. Forgive us for allowing the enemy's uh, ways and means to get a piece of our heart. Forgive us for the emotional attachment to money that, that causes us to feel and think and perseverate over things and want things and wish for things. And Lord, forgive us for giving a piece, just like this $100 bill that's all in pieces now. Forgive us for giving a few pieces to those things and those circumstances when we should have kept it all and given it to you. It's our heart that needs your touch today, Lord.
touch our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Luke 12, as we finish. Luke 12. The parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now imagine if one of you stood up today in the middle of this this message and started saying, Hey, Terry, my brother did this and he didn't do that and he owes me 10000 I want you to come over this afternoon and preach this to him. <laughs> you probably wouldn't do that. But Jesus wasn't even teaching about money. If you look at the first 11 verses, 12 verses, pardon me, of chapter 12, he says in verse 1, be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. He's saying, watch out, watch your heart for hypocrisy. He's saying, everything you've done in secret one day will be shown. You better get, better get those sins forgiven now. Then he says, watch out for those who will try to kill you. He's talking about persecution. He's talking about hypocrisy. He's talking about secret sin. He's talking about persecution. Then in verse 7, he's talking about the fact that God has even the hairs on your head numbered. Jake, does that impress you? No. <laughs> but it <laughs> doesn't impress me either. Francis doesn't impress us, does it? But he knows every detail of our lives. Jesus is talking about these deep, eternal, spiritual principles And then he says in verse 8, he's talking about being bold to share our faith. And that every time you share your faith, it makes news in heaven. These are like profound things. And there's one guy in the crowd. He's perseverating on the fact that he didn't get his share of the money. And he's missing this sermon. Imagine being in front of Jesus in the flesh, hearing these mind-blowing kingdom concepts. And you're like, Jesus, my brother's a jerk. Come on. If you're so powerful, deal with this guy. Why? Because of his emotional connection to money. He was missing the word of the Lord to his soul right there. And then Jesus says, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator between you? Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Then he talks about the guy building the bigger barns. Ah, I finally got my pensions and my possessions and I got my rental properties and I got it all set. Heart attack, dies. So he hadn't thought of that part of life. I find this a sobering scripture. And although I don't think I've ever been that big a jerk as this guy was. And how would you like to be in the Bible forever for that? (laughs) We get to heaven. Oh, what's your name? So-and-so. Yeah, I'm the guy in Luke 12 that Jesus rebuked. And actually, I don't care about that inheritance now. This is a lot better. (laughs) How would you like to get in the Bible for that reason? But I can sit there and go, I'm not like him. 
But there is no question that my preoccupation with finances has at times short-circuited that beautiful, wonderful spiritual connection where God wants to speak into my life through his word, through others. And I wonder how much I've missed over the years. I'm so glad that prophet, instead of trying to be nice to me, just went, really, Lord? Change this guy's thinking about money. And he has. And to me, today, money is just a tool. It's a means to an end. It's a means to an end. And all that I have is the Lord's. I'm a loner, not an owner. And if I do with it what he's asking me, he can give me as much as I need for whatever he's called me to do. And I finish with that just to tell you that, listen, Melissa and I have lived by faith for 20 years. We quit. We were both on staff at the church at that time. We'd just been given a healthy raise. The church had just paid off the debt. And the Lord woke me up one morning and said, now resign and ask for nothing. No salary, nothing. We walked, took a long walk off a short plank at the obedient call of the Lord, and we've never lacked. Two or three times, we've had some tough times. And when we go to prayer and say, Lord, what's the message? There's always a message. We fix that up. And he turns on the heavenly flow again. I I just know what I'm talking about. I have seen God come through over and over and over again. He did it again yesterday for us. Those details are just for us to know. But I want to let you know that every time you make a step of faith, God's going to bless you in other ways. Maria, you're going out to Kenya. You're sacrificing. You're spending the money. Henry and Maria, I know you've had goals. Henry, we've talked about it. You're going you're gonna to see a blessing come. You're going to see your business be able to do more of this as you obey. First you obey, then the vision, uh, provision. Vision, then provision. And as we detach ourselves from the love of money and start listening to God's voice and take little steps, 25-cent faith turns into unimaginable blessing. Stand with me, please. Mike, come on back up. I forget what time I'm supposed to finish, but uh, 11.04 sounds good. Is that okay? 11.04 is good. So if anybody wants 10 bucks or 6 bucks or 2 bucks or 350, it's up here at the front. I want you to bow your heads for a moment, please. And I want you to be honest. Let's break the shame and the fear barrier here this morning. If you'd say, Terry, some, something along the way here this morning, I kind of know that I need, I need some help getting free from worry or preoccupation with finances. I'm not saying you're poor. I'm not saying you're in bad debt. We're going to talk about bad debt and good debt and how to get out of debt and all that. We're doing all that this afternoon. But we're just talking about saying, I've been a little bit like that guy, you know, come to church. And I don't even remember what the pastor said because I'm thinking about what just happened at my job or whatever it is or that thing I bought or sold. Or You want to say, Terry, today something in my heart says, yeah, I, I want greater freedom from worry or from the love of money. 
put up your hand, please, and we're going to pray an agreement prayer, and it's going to happen. So to keep it up, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. I got my hand up too. Father, I want to come into agreement and partnership with everyone in this house as our hands are up in surrender to say, Lord, forgive us for worrying because you told us not to. And forgive us for trying not to worry when we forgot what you said about the love of money. Give us freedom. Help us to see our financial life the way you see it so that we can live free from the worry and we can become blessable in every way that you desire. And if you agree with that, just say amen. 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 Thank you. So this afternoon, we're going to get straight into it. We're not going to have like a personal ministry time at the beginning or worship. It's going to be a teaching and there'll be time for Q&A and a little bit of a little bit of things where you do on your own there and write down some thoughts. Hope to see you then. Pastor. Yeah, would you thank Terry, please. We'll strongly encourage you to join us this afternoon. This is a great taste of it this morning and and way more details, and we'd love to see you there. We're going to spend a bit of time responding in worship, and then we'll wrap up together.